Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in part three of a series that we started this year, this month, that we have titled Uphill Habits. Uphill Habits, because the truth of the matter is, we are what we repeatedly do. <laughs> we are, whether we want to realize it or not, we are what we repeatedly do. We share with you the fact that scientifically speaking, 40% of our day, of every day, are things that we do habitually, without thinking, subconsciously. It just happens because they are our habits. And what we have to understand is excellence then is not an act, but it's a habit. A lot of us want to be excellent. We advertise excellence. Some of us are business owners, and, and, and we like to say we're doing kingdom business. And, and, and because we're doing kingdom business or, or business for the kingdom, uh, we should be pursuing excellence, but we have to understand that excellence doesn't happen accidentally. You can't be an excellent business owner. You can't be an excellent employee. You can't be an excellent father, mother, anything without habits. That's why this is an important conversation that we're starting this year off with. Because what we need to understand is for each and every one of us, we form habits, but then those habits that we form, form us. Becomes a part of who we are, our personality, what we're known for, how we're viewed by others. It's a result of our habits. And what, what I found in most believers is when it's about this time of year, we start having hopes and ambitions for what the year will be. This will be the year that I fill in the blank. And we, and, and we bring it to the Lord, right? We have uphill hopes. Our hopes are pointed toward the king. Like, I want to pray more this year because I, I want to hear him more this year. I want to get in his word more this year because I want to know him more this year. I'm going to go to church more this year because I need more kingdom people in my life this year. Those are great, ambitious hopes that are uphill. But the problem is our habits oftentimes do not correspond. Our habits don't change. Therefore, these hopes become invalid because hope is not a strategy. <laughs> hope is not a strategy. Hope alone won't get you to the destination that you purport that you want. Because at the end of the day, here's, here's the deep end of the pool when it comes to this uphill habits. When you really consider it, your habits are not just about you. These habits that you're keeping or these habits that you're about to form are not just about you. They should be about loving God more. They should be about loving people more. Because if you remember, we shared with you the fact that when Jesus was pressed and asked, Jesus, of all these commandments that we got from our father Moses, which is the most important? He answered their question. 
And he said, the first one is that you love God, that you shall not have any other God before him. And then he followed it up by saying, and the second is likened to the same, that you love people. So Jesus the Christ, the one that you said that you serve, says your highest priority in life should be to love him and to love people. You notice he didn't say love his people because a lot of y'all like church people only. He said love him and love people. That's all people. That's people with different theology than you. That's people with different political affiliation than you. That's people of different cultural backgrounds than you. He said, love them. And so we're having a conversation about our habits because our habits form us and our habits that form us show up and how we show up to the world. How are you currently showing up to the world? You got to understand, you can't afford to keep these bad habits around because they don't just negatively impact you. It will negatively impact you, but it also has some epigenetic implications. That's a big fancy word. I'll church it up. Generational curses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to break that habit for the sake of your kids, your grandkids. You got to break it for the sake of your, your neighbors and your coworkers and those that look to you for inspiration and hope. Whether you realize it or not, you're being looked at, observed, and measured. Appreciate your scripture on Facebook, but what is your life looking like? If I turn down your Facebook posts and turn up your life, what will I find? I'm going to find your habits for sure. And what are your habits going to teach me about the type of person that you are? The reason we have to go on this journey and have this conversation is because ultimately we want our lives to bring glory to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here's the problem. Are you ready? I'm coming, I'm coming like, like right out the gate with the haymaker, right? Your problem is you just like to come to church to feel better. You come here for a little weekly hit of dopamine. You want the singers to stand up, stand up here and make you feel good? You want me to preach something that makes you feel good? Well, that's not what we're called to do. Jesus said, die. You should leave out of the sanctuary feeling like you just attended your funeral. Because you can't be who he's called you to be, steady trying to be who you used to be. Is that all right? That's why we have to have this conversation. Because you need to die. There's parts of you that don't fit your destiny. And that's why we have to have the uncomfortable conversation about our habits and what they're doing to our lives. How do, we, how do we take this journey to take our habits and make them uphill? The reason we call them uphill is because they should point to the one seated on the throne. That's definition number one. Definition number two is because they're going to be a little difficult to do. 
but it's going to be doable, but it's going to take a little effort. It's going to take a little extra energy because it takes a little more energy to walk up a hill than it does down one. Downhill is easy because gravity helps you on the journey. But when you're walking uphill, gravity is working against you. And so it takes a little more exertion of energy that you're going to have to put into it in order to accomplish what God is asking you to accomplish. I know you've been saved a while. You still need to die. Some of you aren't saved at all. You really need to die. So you should show up every Sunday with your funeral clothes on. Asking God to kill the parts of you that need to die. How do we do this? We can find a little glimpse in Romans 12 and 2 where it says, fix your attention on God. You're so busy fixing your attention on everything else but God. Why do we need to fix our attention on God? Because you'll be changed from the inside out if you do. You're trying to do this in your own strength. And anything that God has required of you, spoken to you, you're going to need him to accomplish. So your best bet is to fix your attention on God so that you will be changed. You, you will, not maybe or might. If you fix your attention on God with your super saved self, I bet you'll find some things that need to be changed within you. I'm not talking about what needs to be changed in your neighbor. But when you fix your attention on God, he says you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Some of you are so confused about what he wants from you because your attention isn't fixed on him. Your attention is fixed on your degree. Your attention is fixed on your kids. Your attention is fixed on your spouse. Those are all noble. Those are all good. But they're not good enough to take the place of God. Fix your attention on God so that you can experience the change that you need, so that you'll know what he wants from you. And not only will you recognize what he wants from you, but you'll be able to respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. We keep reading the scripture so that you can get it in your shanana. Some of y'all still staring at the culture for your information, your inspiration, and your education. And God is saying, look to me. Some of y'all have more faith in the blue check on Facebook than you do the word of God. Oh, they must know what they're talking about. They've got 100,000 followers. And you automatically hold more weight to that foolishness than you do the sacred scriptures of God. Hmm. But if you choose to fix your attention on God and lock in on what he's speaking to you, the end result is God brings the best out of you. And he develops a well-formed maturity in you. So we've been in discussion about this. And in week one, we gave you the first habit, which was to focus on what I do first, because there's power in what you do first. There's power in 
the first part of your day. There's power in the first part of your income. There's power in the first part of your thoughts and the first part of your energy. There's power in the priority. That's what the first represents. What currently your priority is. And we share with you that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, don't share the number one spot. If he ain't got the number one spot, he ain't there. And that's something we got to come to grips with. And in week two, we talked about the second habit, which is to control my thoughts. Some of us don't think about what we're thinking because we think if we think about what we're thinking, we think that we are reading the secret. It ain't a secret. It's in the Old Testament. You have the power to let the spirit of God reign in your thoughts. But you also have the power to let your sinful nature reign in your thoughts. The choice is yours. Like black sheep used to say, but y'all don't know who black sheep is. You can get with this. Okay, never mind. That's too old school. And so that brings us to week number three, and we'll land in the book of Luke, the second chapter, starting at the 41st verse. I'll be reading in the CSB. We're talking about young Jesus. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Somebody say one day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, somebody say three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished that his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Last one, why were you searching for me? He asked him, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house. Another translation says, didn't you know it was necessary for me to be about my father's business? <laughs> Today, I'll tag this text as this, stay on point. It's important that you stay on point. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we honor you. We give this service to you. We move out of your way so that you can have your way in each one of our hearts, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Stay on point. Like, I read the Bible just like a regular dude. Like, I be looking at what's said, and I be asking myself questions. Jesus is 12. Like, like my son just turned 13, so I, I just got done with a 12-year-old little boy. 
And so as I'm reading this and rereading this and rereading this, I start asking myself some questions. Like how do you travel by foot a whole day? Somebody say a whole day. And have no clue that your 12-year-old little boy ain't there. Now, I know they had cousins in them. There was a whole caravan of family members, aunties, uncles, my dears. They was all there. But I don't trust nobody that much. Now, let me, you know, we have a unique family situation, right? My beautiful wife is an identical twin. And her identical twin lives five whole minutes away from us. <laughs> well, let me tell you something right here, right now. Ain't no way. <laughs> I'm finna just send my little boy over to T, that's what they call a TT, over to TT's house and not check in a little bit. 24 hours ain't finna go by without me seeing it, everything all right. Did they eat? They got their PJs. We gonna ask some questions within a 24 hour time period. I'm trying to figure out, now keep in mind, they traveled a day, somebody say a day, on foot. I'd be frustrated if I traveled a day in a car and had to turn around. <laughs> and Jesus did this in front of everybody. The whole family there. Now you know they're already looking at Mary crazy, right? Because 12 years ago, she tried to convince everybody that, that the Holy Spirit got her pregnant. So you know Joseph's side of the family got a little side eye toward Mary in the first place. They doubting her parenting skills just a teach. And now she done lost her firstborn. Hmm? I got some questions, Mary. Joseph. I need to holler at you, bro. You ain't checked for little Jesus not nan time in a 24-hour walk. Hmm. And so that's why when they showed up, they was frustrated because Mary was like, how could you do this to us? What does she mean? Like you embarrassed us in front of the whole family, bro. Everybody prispering. I should have lost them. I told you she wasn't no good. I told you. But what jumped out to me the most about this was a couple things. First, was Jesus was surprised that they were surprised. <laughs> like, he was like, I'm lost. Like, why, why are you frustrated? And why are you confused? Don't you know? He, he's like, duh. Like, how do you not know where, I, like, don't you know? He was saying, I stay on point. How are you confused about what I've been doing? Jesus at 12 was so locked in to who he was and what he's supposed to be doing. And all of the external factors didn't matter because he was so focused with being who he came to this earth to be. 
I was reading this again last night to prepare for this morning, and something jumped out to me. Can we do a little math? So the text says that when they left the feast, they went on a one-day journey. Say one day. Okay. All right. Then after that one day, they realized we don't have Jesus. So we have to turn around. So if they went out one day, how long did it take them to come back? One day. Somebody said three, and I'm worried. They went out one, they came back one. One, and then one. I love you, though. Y'all stay with me. I don't want nobody confused. Everybody hold up two fingers. The answer was two. Okay. I don't know what translation y'all reading. So two, right? One day out, one day back, two. Now, once they got back, they didn't find them right away. Now imagine the frustration of walking that way for a day and then walking this way for a day, and you still ain't found this little boy. The text says they spent the next Three days looking for him. And so, and so there was a journey of two days at first, right? Put two fingers up with your left hand. Because I don't want nobody confused. Okay. Now use your right hand and put the number three up, right? Because it took them three days. And the text says after the third day, they found him. And when I read this last night, the Holy Spirit said this to me to tell you, because you have a two in your left hand and you have a three in your right hand, and this is the year 2023, and he said, this is the year you're going to find him. He told me to tell us that you're going to find him this year. Like, I know, I know you've been a good church goer. You done took discovery, some of you. You done took foundations. You're on a team, huh? You using your gifts. You give, some of you. You doing all the little good Christian things, but you don't, you don't have no clue why you're here. You're just, we're honest, doing what you know to do. You're just trying your best. But God said that in 20. 23, you're going to find him. And when you find him, you're going to find you. This is going to be the year where all the confusion ends. This is going to be the year where the question marks fade away. Because in 2023, you are going to to find him. And that's why you have to stay on point. So habit number three to help you is to keep my life aligned with my purpose. Keep 
my life aligned my purpose. A couple weeks ago, my wife was doing something in her office and she said she heard a noise, kind of like a tapping noise. So she heard it for a little while, she didn't pay attention, but then, then she's like, hey, what is that? And so she comes out of her office and she sees in the family room that the ceiling is leaking, water. And so she calls me. So I come. And I verified it. There's water coming out the ceiling. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. So I run and go get a bucket to put it there, set it there so the water that's dripping one drop at a time can come into the bucket while we figure out what in the world is going on. And while we're sitting there looking at this water coming out of our ceiling, I had a memory. Because about, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes earlier, I was studying. And my son said to me before he went to bed, Dad, something wrong with the toilet? Just thought I'd let you know I'm about to go to bed. I was like, okay, I'll check it out as soon as I get done with this. Hmm, I forgot that he had said that. And then I remembered that he said that. So I ran upstairs and I found a bathroom full of water because there was something on the toilet, like he told me. Um, so I had to turn off the water up there, had to plunge, get the water. I had to mop up all the water that spilled. And because I took those actions upstairs, the leaky ceiling downstairs stopped dripping. Because what we had to realize was the leaky ceiling wasn't the real problem. The leaky ceiling was a result of a much bigger problem upstairs. A lot of us, though, are looking at situations in our lives and staring at it instead of addressing the real problem upstairs. We're looking at this leak in our lives and we're saying this relationship is the problem this job is the problem this medical condition is the problem this spouse is the problem but the real problem is you don't know what your purpose is and until you address the real problem there's gonna be a leak now imagine in our situation where this ceiling was leaking and we just stood there. Maybe put a towel up there. Or maybe we kept putting buckets underneath it. The problem would have never, ever, 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 ever been solved. Because we were so busy focused on the fruit that we never took the time to get to the root of the problem. And for a lot of you, the root of your problem is you're just here existing, getting through each and every day with no clue why you were created to be on this earth. And that's your real problem. That's why you get to the end of every day unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and questioning your very existence. 
because you have to get to the real source of your problem. The real source is you don't know who you are. And because you don't know who you are, you can't form habits or behaviors that line up to get you to your purpose. And so because you're currently living a purposeless life, you feel completely out of sorts and empty. So the first thing you have to know as to why you have to form this habit is this. It's simple, because I have a purpose. Hello? You have one. Hello? You have a purpose. Everybody close your eyes real quick, real quick, real quick. Close your eyes. Turn your phones off. Just close your eyes and say this. On the count of three, I want you to say this. I have a purpose. One, two, three. Keep your eyes closed and just let that sit there. We're going to do it one more time. On the count of three. One, two, three. You, can open your eyes. You have a purpose. That word means something to us. This is, it's in the DNA of this house because it's in the DNA of me and my wife. You have a purpose. It's at the center of everything we do at this church. We need you to find your purpose. Now, now, don't be misunderstood. At the forefront of everything we do is you need, we want you to know God. But the reason we want you to know God is so that in your relationship, and your pursuit of him, you'll find out why you're here. That's why your purpose is at the center of everything we are doing. Here's the biggest reason why you need to go on this journey. It's because it's the very reason God sent you to this earth. God didn't send you to this earth. Here it is. Listen, let me make you mad one more time. God didn't send you to this earth to live your best life. You okay? God sent you to this earth so that he can get the glory out of your life. There's a difference. You don't surrender your life to Jesus so that you can feel better about yourself. You surrender your life to Jesus because he surrendered his life as a ransom for yours. It's an exchange. We're only going to have half the people next week, Jamie. Because they're going to go find a church that's going to make them feel good every Sunday. But the reason you're here is because God has a beautiful, perfect plan for you. But if you just keep showing up every 24 hours just trying to get through and do it all over again the next day, what a waste. In business, they have this uh, like kind of inspirational saying that, um, I believe it actually came from Dr. Miles Monroe, that the, 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 the cemetery is the most valuable place in the world because so many business ideas 
never came to pass. And they just died. I think that it's the most valuable place in the world because so many people die without their purpose being fulfilled. I don't think there is a more valuable commodity in your life than your purpose. So why, why do we give no energy, no credence, no mental faculty to living our life on purpose? I think the enemy has done a very good job of distracting you from why you're really here. You thought you was here so you can sing or preach or pray or prophesy or help people get free. Maybe. But your gift and your purpose ain't the same thing. A gift is a tool for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Your purpose is why you were sent to this earth to live. You're supposed to make an impact of some sort in this world. And every second that you spend not making that impact, you're spiritually dying. Because your purpose is not being enacted. Your purpose is not being pursued. A small part of you continues to wither away. Let me prove to you that you have a purpose since you don't believe it. Psalms 139 and 16 says, you saw me before I was born. So you don't show up to the earth and as a result of situations, events, and opportunities, your purpose is formed. Your purpose existed before you existed. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You have a purpose. Ephesians 2 and 10 says you are God's masterpiece. You're not his throwaway. You're not his accident. You're not his DIY project. You're not a fixer-upper. You're a masterpiece. Because God makes no mistakes. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us. When? Long ago. Like, you didn't show up and God was like, well, let me figure out what to do with this one. He figured it out long ago. The problem is you haven't figured it out. We need to live by design, not by default. God created you with a purpose. He designed you with a specific purpose in mind. And when you don't know it, you just live by default of your circumstances. God doesn't want you to live by leftovers. He doesn't want you to live by random events, random opportunities. He wants you to live the life based on how you were designed. Can I 
Can you imagine trying to flip some eggs with a vacuum cleaner? How ridiculous. How preposterous would that be for me to have some eggs sizzling in the skillet and instead of going to get the spatula, I go to the closet and get a vacuum to try to flip these eggs. Doesn't that sound insane? That's how some of you all look to heaven. Because you're all out of whack with what you're using to accomplish the reason that you're living, the reason that you're breathing. You need to know why you're here so that you can create habits, attitudes, and behaviors that line up with the purpose that is already in action in your life or else you're going to look like a dude flipping eggs with a vacuum cleaner in say why are you here you're here because you have a purpose and you need to make this a habit you need to really think about what you're doing and ask yourself is this aligned with my purpose Because number two, there is competition for my time and my attention. There is competition for my time and my attention. Why? Because if the devil can't get you to sin, he can at least get you distracted. And he still wins. He don't even really mind if you get into heaven. As long as you cannot have the impact you're supposed to have on other people. Hey, cool. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and get to the pearly gates. But this whole generation that you were supposed to impact for the kingdom won't be. I'm good with that. He's playing the numbers. He's running the ratios. So even if you stop sinning and fornicating and being all wild and oriole, but as long as, as long as you don't turn around and help nobody else, I'll lose you so I can keep them. So he'll always put a bunch of stuff in front of you to keep you distracted. It'll look real nice and holy. So you'll be on seven church committees. all of which have nothing to do with your purpose. But you're so busy that your impact in the earth is never manifested or realized. And the reason you want all this stuff and none of it matches up with who you are is because you don't know who you are. Do you realize how important this conversation is? You need to get undistracted. You need to come out of being so busy that you are unimpactful with your life. An overwhelmed schedule will produce an underwhelmed soul. Your calendar is full of stuff that don't mean nothing. 
Why are your kids in seven different sports? They're not even athletic. But you think you're being a good parent. Let's just have a real conversation. You take all the overtime at work. Distracted. You're saying it's for, well, you know, I'm trying to get out of debt, but really, if we take a look at your bank account, that extra money just went into somebody's drive-thru. Are we going to have a real conversation or not? So we can put a lot of things on our schedule that look noble. That have nothing to do with our purpose. Gives us no time to pursue who we're supposed to be. Distracted. Calendar gets so full, you get to the end of every week with an underwhelmed soul because you've done nothing to feed it. You've done some things. You've checked some boxes, but none of it was keeping you aligned with your purpose. They were good things. They weren't God things. And you're tired, worn out, and weary. The devil loves it. Ecclesiastes 4 and 6 says, better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and pursuit of the wind. Not pursuit of your purpose. Pursuit of the wind means you're chasing nothing. But you're putting a lot of effort into it. Solomon, now Ecclesiastes is, is, is essentially Solomon's come back to Jesus book. Because Solomon was out there living. <laughs> and he came back with like, listen, let me tell you something. I done did a lot. I done been out there. I done been king that other kings pursued. I done solved a lot of problems, a lot of issues. I done done a lot of dumb stuff too. Let me tell you something, man. It's better to just have one handful full of stuff, full of accomplishments, full of full of degrees, full of certifications, full of souls saved and rest. Then I have two handfuls of that stuff, but I've been just chasing the wind. So the reason that you have to pursue this habit is because you have a purpose, number one. Number two, because there is competition for your time and attention. And number three, because life is short. Hello? Have y'all been seeing how many people have just been dying of heart attacks on the news? All right, we don't even have to be deep with this. Time is short. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I buried two friends that died from heart attacks. Both kingdom men doing God's work to the best of their ability. Gone. Because we don't know. See, when you really digest that, you move a little differently. You'll have less wasteful days. You'll be pursuing the Lord a little quicker. 
If you realize, if you really honestly realize, the fact, the problem is you don't believe it. You think you really do, if you're honest with yourself, that you got all the time in the world. You do. That's why you can just get by week to week, day to day, shrug your shoulders. Man, you know, I don't know. I know, I don't know I'm supposed to do something. I don't know what. What's your pursuit like? How much energy is going into pursuing it, finding the answer, solving the question called what is my purpose? The book of James, I love James because he just be, mm. he be talking straight. He say, look here. <laughs> like, I can imagine him saying it just like, here. look here. You know how you got that one uncle? He about to give you some game. But like, look here. Right? That's James. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. What type of heart do you have in regards to your time on this earth? Do you understand that you are not in control? I don't care how many vitamins you take. I don't care. I don't care how many times you go to the gym. Go ahead, stop eating meat, that's fine. There is a stewardship of our physical, but we still don't own the time. We still don't know the day or the hour that he coming back or that we leaving here. We don't know either one. So we have to stop living like we do. You gotta run a little harder than what you're currently running. You have to realize I'll never change my life until I change something that I do every day. You're praying for a better life but all day, every day, you're doing the same things you've been doing. You haven't changed a thing. We on the third habit. You ain't, you ain't implemented not none. But you seated an expectation of what? You will not get a new life until you start changing what you've been doing every day. Even if it's micro, many changes. They will lead you somewhere different than your current situation. So let's talk about how do we master this habit. Number one, you have to decide what is important. It's a decision. Like you don't just have to take life. You can decide what is important and therefore decide what is not important. Let's look at Philippians 3 and 7. Paul said, I once thought these things were valuable. He was talking about all the accomplishments, and he had a lot of them that he achieved in his life. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. That's what happens when you fix your attention on God. You start wearing these little degrees, these little promotions, these little family, these little goals against the vast, glorious nature of Jesus Christ, and it starts to look this big. 
When you start looking at Jesus for your help, for your purpose, for your being, you start to look at everything else a little bit. Till you're like, you know what? I really ain't got time for that no more. Like all that negativity that y'all stay with, I really ain't on that no more. Doesn't even feel good no more. I ain't even entertained by that no more. I don't even get no dopamine hit from that no more. Why? Because I've been looking at Jesus. And I realize that there's so much more for me to do, I can't waste it on that foolishness. Verse 80 says, yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. Is knowing Christ Jesus of infinite value to you? Don't be so quick to say, yeah. Look at your life. Does it have infinite value to you? Or, or, or is it more like, I just want a good seat at church? That's of infinite value. I, I, just, want, I just want a chance with the microphone. That's, that's of infinite value. I just want a little recognition. I just want my face on somebody's flyer. That's, 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 woo. That's my value. Mm. Paul said, just knowing him. Remember what this year is. This is the year you're going to find him. And he said, just knowing him has infinite value. For his sake, for whose sake? For Jesus' sake, I discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I told you, you're going to have to die. He said, I discarded everything. All, listen. Somebody from the outside looking in at Paul's resume will be envious of his accomplishments. He was an accomplished man. And he said, man, I looked at all that, and I considered it garbage. I looked at all that, and I discarded it. Why? So I can get more of him. So I can make room in my heart for more of his presence. That's how you know that just knowing him has infinite value. When you start having a hunger for the word, when you start anticipating and looking forward to prayer time, because I, I just, I just want to know him. There's, there's nothing more valuable than knowing him more than what I currently do, so I just want more. But when you try to squeeze him into the end leftover parts of your calendar, you're showing how much you value knowing him. So you have to decide what is important. Number two, you're going to have to give calendar time to the important things. Like it needs to be on your calendar because excellence doesn't happen accidentally. Mm -mm. He don't want the leftover parts of your days. He wants you to make some decisions about how you're going to spend your days and how you're going to incorporate him in it. This is a prayer. Psalm 90 and 12. Teach us to number our days carefully. Because the opposite can be true. If we don't number our days carefully, we'll get to the end of the week wondering why we feel so distant. 
Why we feel so disconnected? Why I can't hear? Why I can't? I've been praying, but I ain't been hearing nothing. You didn't number your days. You didn't intentionally put him into your schedule. And so you ended up distant by your decisions. You ended up distant by your habits. You ended up distant by the choices that you were making each and every day not to include him. So you should pray like he prayed, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to number my days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in where? Our hearts. You're trying to pursue wisdom, but you haven't numbered your days. You're trying to pursue wisdom, but you haven't included him in your weeks. You're trying to pursue wisdom, but you haven't asked him directly for it. You thought wisdom was going back to grad school. I love stepping on your toes. But what he is trying to get you to see is that he has wisdom available for you if you pursue him. Don't pursue me, your pastor. Pursue him. Like, go on an individual journey to know him more. You will get much further than trying to DM me. I'm trying to help you. I mean, I'll tell you a little something, but man, <laughs> Jesus, hello. He's available too. You can message him. You'll get a much better answer. All right, let me help you with trying to calendar stuff. I'm going to teach you something called the rule of five. Okay, this is not mine. This came from one of the most leading authorities on leadership in the world, John C. Maxwell. And so as busy, as accomplished, he's, he's, he's essentially a Paul of this day. Like his resume is crazy. The amount of books that he's written is crazy. The amount of New York Times bestseller, the amount of rooms that he's been in, from kings to presidents to prime ministers, his resume is off the chip. He said, I do five things every day. People ask him, like, how do you maintain this level of influence for all these decades? And he said, I believe in the rule of five. And so I studied and he talked about his five things. I made five things. I'm going to show you. I'm just going to give you my five so that you can make your own. You can steal some of these. You can use them. You can not use them. But these are five things that are incorporated intentionally into my day on purpose. Number one, spend time in prayer. I'm going to pray every day. Does that mean it's an hour session? Does that mean it's five-minute session? Does that mean it's 30 minutes? Does that mean it's on the treadmill? Does that mean that it's in the, in, in the family room on my knees? Does it mean that, that I'm still uh, laid in the bed because my back hurts and I'm praying? It can be any of those. But I'm going to pray every single day. Number two, I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to pray to him so I can hear from him. I'm going to study his word so I can learn from him. That's important to me. Number three, love those closest to me. My wife, my children, y'all. I'm going to do my best to, in some way or some form or some fashion, be intentional about trying to love those closest to me. Number four, make a difference in someone's life. It's important to me. Now, you don't need a microphone to do that. You don't need a platform to do that. You can literally text somebody and just say, hey, what's thinking about you? I spent some time in prayer for you. Love you. That probably took six seconds to make an impact in someone's life. But the reason you ain't doing it is because you have no thought, no intentionality behind it. You're random. 
Number five, take care of myself. Because if I don't take care of myself, those other four won't happen. I'll be too burnt out. So I got to do something that's about me. And sometimes that's just, just reading a chapter of a book because I like books. None of these have to be deep, but all of these have to happen in my 24 hours. Because if you put things in your life on a daily basis that line you up with why you're here, you will be able to grow and develop and learn a little bit more about who you are and whose you are. Listen, here's why you have to be intentional. Like when, when I first started up here, this microphone didn't work. Right? You remember that? Now imagine that this microphone wasn't available. And I just kept talking like this. The people that were closest to me would still be able to understand what I'm saying. But the people that have the most distance between me and them would have a hard time deciphering my instructions. And so that's why you need to be in a constant state of pursuing closeness with your heavenly father. And so you can hear him a little bit better. If you continue to be distant from him and you continue to not put him in your calendar, you continue to not make time for him. Because you're not close enough to hear. It's not that he's not speaking. It's because you're too far away to hear. That's why you have to stay on point. Because everything else is a waste of time and a waste of energy. You have to make time for some things. The first thing is you have to make time for renewal. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, because everybody calling me, texting me, trying to get some wisdom, trying to get some questions, trying to get some counseling from me. But he says, our inner person is being renewed day by day because they make time to be in the presence of their Savior, their Father, their Master, the Spirit of God. When you make time to be in his presence, you get renewed on the inside. Why is it important that you're renewed on the inside? Because those demands of life aren't going away. <laughs> but if you keep pouring from an empty pitcher, you will eventually have nothing to pour. And the world will be impacted, but so will you, because you'll feel empty on the inside. Because you haven't made time for renewal. Now, that's different for everybody, what it looks like. But you have to be intentional. I need to make time to be in the presence of my God to be renewed. Every single day. Number two, you need to make time for relationships. Listen, I keep preaching this because I'm preaching it to myself. I am, listen, 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 come here. I'm an only child. I don't need not nan one of y'all. And I say that respectfully. My life is just fine by myself. I love you. But I'm telling you, me, myself, and I would be okay. But that ain't how God created me. That ain't how God created you. The Bible says that we are made in his image. What is his image? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, community. 
And the reason the devil shows up to isolate you is because there's power in community. But you be like, you know, you know how you, you know how chocolate people be. Who all over there? It don't matter who all over there. Just go. Show isolated self. You're comfortable in isolation because it's demonic. That's why it's comfortable. That's why your flesh likes it. There's no accountability in isolation. Can't nobody ask you nothing. Can't nobody see in the spirit when you're in isolation. Can't nobody dig into your stuff when you're in isolation. And that's why you love it. Because you ain't got to be accountable. You don't have to grow. You don't have to look more like Jesus when you isolate it. You could just sit in the back row where the lights is the darkest and dip on out. I told you you come to church to die. That's why you love it. Because you don't have to grow up. You make every excuse in the book as to why you can't go. Why you can't pick up the phone. Why you can't text? Why you can't voice memo? Androids, I don't know what y'all do. We can send voice memo. But you make every excuse. Because you love your demonic isolation. I'm talking to you. In the name of Jesus. You, you can at least get in a small group. We told you we start in small groups. That ain't even going to cost you nothing but time. Opportunity, intentionality. Why should you be around kingdom people? Because kingdom people help you become more kingdom. Y'all got enough devils in your life, which is fine. We're called to be dark, I mean, uh, light in dark places, called to be salt on the earth. But everybody shouldn't be uh, demonic in your life. You need, you need a couple of kingdom soldiers. Come on. Come on. In the life group, all y'all got to do is just sit there and just like, you know, let the Lord do what he do. Where two or three are gathered, I am there in the midst of them. So you're not going to blame this church for your lack of development. I promise you that. You're going to have to blame the person in the mirror. But it's important. In 2023, the year that you're going to find him, he wants you to find some community. So you need to make time for relationships. Number three, make time for reward. Now, can I help you? When I say this, your brain immediately went to something carnal. It did. You don't have to admit it. It's okay. But I want to take a moment to help you understand that when I say reward, I'm talking about an eternal one. Like, you're going to have to explain your life to Jesus on that great day. He's going to ask you some questions about how you stewarded the life that he died for. You see, this is, this is a serious conversation. I'm, I'm making jokes and I'm trying to keep it light, but I need you to understand the seriousness of living a fruitless life. 
You look good. You drive good. But ain't no fruit. What a waste. What a waste of a bloody cross. What a waste of a crown of thorns. For your big goal to be to have two luxury vehicles outside your driveway. Congrats. Ooh. Everybody look at how I'm driving. Bless the seven on your license plate. Great. What weight does that hold in eternity? Zero. Nobody came to know Jesus because of you. Nobody got free from their shackles because of you. You're going to have to explain yourself. Because if you didn't participate in the kingdom agenda, you completely wasted every ounce of blood that he shed for you. What a waste. I appreciate your college degrees. Well, I never cheated on my wife. Great. I paid my tithes and offers. Thanks. What type of eternal reward will your life yield? I'm closing. Like you need to think about that when tomorrow gets here. You need to think about that when Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, when these days keep coming, what type of eternal reward is awaiting you when this life is over? That's why we have to make it a habit to make sure that what we're doing in our days is in alignment with what our purpose is. It's in alignment with why we're here because I have a purpose. I really do. And if I don't take the time, I'm going to live a life that's meaningless. We go back to Ecclesiastes and Solomon said, I observed everything going on under the sun. I did it all, see it all. And really, it is all meaningless. Like chasing the wind. Nobody accomplished the things that Solomon has accomplished. And he took a look at all of his accomplishments. He said it was all meaningless. He was measuring eternal reward. And he looked at all the things that he's done, and he didn't see eternal rewards being manifested. Don't get to the end of your life and look back and say, you know what, all that was meaningless. You have an opportunity, a chance to live a life that yields eternal rewards. What does that look like? It looks like that your impact shows up in the life of your kids. Like the life that you live impacted them to pursue him. You know you can't, you can't hand them salvation, right? You know they're going to have to make that choice just like you did, right? 
Like how many people sit to the cubicle to your left and to your right that are on their way to eternal damnation because you prefer to act like them at work instead of acting like you? Your Facebook posts ain't even encouraging. They're messier. Think eternal rewards when you post. It all matters. Jesus is going to be sitting there with an iPad like, what about this? Does anything you're currently doing push you closer to being who you were created to be? Or is it all just meaningless, as Solomon said? Number three, you got to eliminate non-essentials. Hebrews 12 and 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin. Now, did you catch that? Weight and sin are different. They are not equivalent. That means you can do some non-simple things that are weights that are keeping you from being who you're supposed to be. But you have to strip it off. They're not going to fall off. They're not going to evaporate. You have to take those weights off, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. I need to run in my lane to do my thing. I'm here for a purpose and I need to be about, like Jesus said, my father's business. Last one and I'm done. You need to regularly take inventory. I got to the end of 2022, December 31st, 2022, and for the first time all year, I felt all the pressure that I was under. I was mentally, spiritually, physically tired. God gave me the grace all year to do all the things that need to be done, but he made it clear that I could not run at the same pace in 2023 that I was running in 2022. I had to take inventory about all the things that I was doing and how I was doing it. And I made a decision based on what he said to me that I was going to move a little slower. And can I be honest? That is incredibly tough for me. I am vision casting task-oriented. I am a highly driven person. If I'm sitting still, I'm probably twitching. But God said I had to move at a different pace this year than I did last year. And so I started handing some stuff off. Like, here you go. I'm done with it. Yep, take that. Here you go. Because I also realized something. That me shouldering and running at that pace was hindering other people from moving in their purposes. 
It was hindering other people from doing what they were called to do. And so I was in the way. Not anymore. Uh-uh. And so it's important that you look at you. You need to look at how you've been moving. You need to lend your ear to the Lord. He that had an ear, let him hear. You see, I said half. I did the King James Version for my wife. You have to take inventory of yourself because you could be in one situation or in one year and you're moving a certain way or doing a certain thing that was in alignment with your purpose. But God can provide you with a remix at any point. And so that's why it's important to be taking inventory like, huh, I only had a grace for this like I used to. The cloud has lifted. And so now I have to adjust. I have to make some adjustments in Psalms 39 and 4. This is my prayer for you. This is another prayer. And I really, 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 really want you to receive it. To sum up where we're at with this third habit. This is a prayer that I'm praying for you. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. He's praying this because he wants his life to be worth something. He wants to line up his life with his purpose. And so he's praying this. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. So he said, Lord, help me to value this life that you've given me. Help me to not take it for granted. Help me to not move from one thing to the next randomly. Let me be intentional with how I live my life for your glory. Because this life that I have is a life that you've gifted me with. So in conclusion, what God does for us, it's never just for us. It's also for the third and fourth generation that's coming after us. Just kind of naturally, we're prone to be in our thoughts about the here and now. But that's not how God thinks. God thinks in generations. That's why oftentimes he was called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because everything he does is strategic. Good habits add up. So do bad habits. The question is, what type of math are you doing? What's adding up? And, and in the finance world, there's this, there's, there's this thought that Albert Einstein has a quote. There's debate as to whether it was him or not. And he calls uh, um, compound interest the, the, the eighth wonder of the world, right? Because if you, if you put money into, the, into a certain thing and it has interest, it just compounds over time. It's amazing how it multiplies I think if we have that thought in mind, we, we should stop underestimating what we do in a day. One day. We think, ah, 
What is one day going to do? I told you about the rule of five earlier from John Maxwell. And the story behind that that he tells when he teaches that principle is if you have this massive tree that you need to knock down. And the reason he called the rule of five is if you just swing at it just five hits on that first day, you're not going to see much change. You're not going to see much impact. But if each and every day you return to that same tree and you hit it five more times, at a certain point, it's going to come down. Because of the consistency in your effort and your consistency behind the little things that you chose to do each and every day. The same goes with our spiritual life. If we just come make five hits, we may not see the impact on day one. But if we keep showing up and we keep swinging and we keep swinging, we put the axe down. And then we come back the next day and we keep swinging and we keep swinging and we put the axe back down. Eventually, we're going to show up and that thing that we've been trying to topple over, that weight that we need to strip off, that sin that so easily besets us is going to come down. Consistency beats intensity. If you could just be consistent with a little bit, instead of trying to show up tomorrow and be like, I'm just eating raw vegetables. Just intense. But if you could just be consistent with the little things, you will see change in your life. The type of change that's sustainable. The type of change that leads to an eternal reward. Daily habits pay dividends for the rest of your life. Look at what you're doing every day. Because that's what you're going to reap when your life is all said and done. Let's stand. So the reason you have to stay on point, the reason that you have to be about your father's business is because there's an eternal reward at stake. When we're doing what we're called to do, it does not just impact us. It impacts the people that we were sent to impact because God, he's concerned about generations. I know you don't think it's a big deal that you read your word every day, but it is. I know you don't think it's a big deal that you pray every day, but it is. I know it's not a big deal to you to reach out to someone, just say, hey, I was thinking about you. I'm going to pray for you today. But it is. What type of eternal reward will be at the end of your days? That's why you have to stay Come on, on point. Did y'all enjoy today's service? Was it good? Okay. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Our heart, my wife and I really want you all to take what you learn and apply it. Let it get deep in your heart. Let it take root and let it show up in how you choose to live your days. Um, my wife and I are, are honored to have you here. We're honored to um, be leading this church. Some 
for some, God told you that this should be your church home, that All Nations Aurora is the place that he wants you to plant yourself. If that is you, we try to make it easy. Information is on the screen. You can go to allnationsaurora.com slash join, or you can scan the QR code, or you can go to the start here table, fill out that card and say that you want to be a member. We would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastors. We are an imperfect church that just might be perfect for you. So for each and every one of you who have made that decision in your heart, welcome home. We're glad to have you. We're going to pray our way out of here. Is that okay? All right. Heavenly Father, we honor you. Thank you so very much for speaking directly to our souls today. We want to do all that we can to line our life up with our purpose. Reveal to us who you are and who we are. Make your ways plain to us. As we lend our ear to you, we want to hear you more. And then after we're told who we are and whose we are, help us to take actions every single day that will line up with the purpose and the will that you have for our lives so that we can be impactful for your glory and your glory alone. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And all God's people said, Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.